we do here is go back, 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 back. This is Mrs. Lassiter's list of AP Biology tips. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. If you're listening, you're probably one of my AP Biology students, or you're interested in learning more about the AP Biology exam. Now, we're getting very close to the AP Biology exam this year. If you're looking to binge study or just get a little extra review, this podcast is for you. Now, please go back and listen to our intro episodes if you can, our episodes on the big ideas, and more. If there's topics or comments you'd like to share, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback um, from whoever happens to be tuning in for this exam prep. In this 10th episode, we're going to go through several top 10 lists in AP Biology. First, we're going to start with the top 10 ways to cram. Well, I mean, the top 10 ways to get in some last-minute studying. Then we're going to talk about the top 10 formulas to know from your formula sheet. And then we're going to be doing a little content review with the top 10 organelles you should know for the AP Biology exam. Let's get started. Now, top 10 ways to cram, or top 10 ways to get some last-minute studying in. Number 10, podcasts. Okay, so a little shameless self-promotion here. Supplement your study time or travel to and from locations with podcasts. These are a great way to squeeze in some extra study sessions. This podcast provides a general review and overview of the AP Biology exam format and a brief review of content. Start with episode one if you haven't already. Start listening on the way home from school if you want, um, and it's available on lots of platforms, so share it with anybody you know. Number nine, complete a practice exam. The 2013 released exam is the best one out there. It's free. You can find it if you Google it, but you can also find other practice exams in review books like Barron's or Five Steps to a Five. So find a time to sit down and do a full-length practice practice exam, time yourself, and grade yourself. This is one of the best ways to study. Number eight, plan out your sleep and your meals. This is for real. De-stress. Do some yoga. Take care of yourself. Go running. Maybe plug in the podcast while you're running. Just kidding. Have your exam materials laid out the night before. Your pen, your pencil, your calculator. All of these things will help you be more calm and relaxed for the exam. And when you have lower stress levels, hopefully you'll be able to process the information a little bit better. Number seven, review the AP Biology lab videos uh, from the Bozeman website. Now, all Bozeman videos are great, but I would focus on the labs if you haven't already because a lot of the exam is lab or experiment-based, and following through with those is a great way to get some overall review of a lot of different topics put together. Number six, skim the AP Biology course description. Like I've said before, this is available on the College Board's website, and you can go and read the entire curriculum framework for the AP Biology course. Now, you can go to the end and just read about the big ideas and essential knowledges, but if you have time, skim it, focus on what's important for the exam, and also keep in mind when you see little X's, look at what's beyond the scope of the exam. Look at the things you don't need to memorize, like the molecular formulas of specific amino acids, for example. Number five, formula sheet fun. Walk yourself through the formula sheet. Practice with each equation until you're comfortable using it in context and figure out what kinds of problems or questions they might be involved with. Number four, flashcards. Use old ones, make new ones. Get those terms refreshed in your brain and practice with the ones that you find difficult. Number three, make sure you know your mnemonics and word associations. Create an easily remembered acronym or create memorable phrases in which the words have the same acronym as the material or review old ones from your year, like chinops or 
PMAT, even though your phases of mitosis and meiosis aren't actually needed for the AP bio exam, it's still good to know. Or remember, Leo says GUR, what oxidation and reduction are. Remember, Leo, loss of electrons is oxidation. GUR, G-E-R, gain of electrons is reduction. Or our kingdom phylum class, order family genus species, King Philip came over for good spaghetti, King Philip came over for great sex. Or if you get confused with the independent or dependent variable, your dependent is the one that you collect your D data for. Those kind of things are very helpful. All right, number two, have yourself quizzed by a friend or do a group review. This can be helpful, but also help you de-stress right before the exam. And number one, review old FRQs on the AP Biology website. This is often the best way to prepare. Please read through those as well as the scoring guidelines. They are easy to find, easy to practice, and easy to score yourself with. So those are my top 10 recommendations for how to do some last minute studying. Now let's talk about our formula sheet. We're going to go through the top 10 formulas you should review before the AP Biology exam. At this point, it would be helpful to have your formula sheet handy. If you're out and about, just listen and remember to go back. Now remember, it's not important to memorize these equations. They will be provided for you, but you need to know how and when to use them appropriately. Number 10, Hardy-Weinberg. Remember the Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium is sort of like a null hypothesis. No population is truly in Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium, but we can use this equation and you do not need to memorize the Hardy-Weinberg equations, but please make sure you can do a few problems manipulating it. Number nine, rate, or on your formula sheet, dy over dt. Now you can use this as growth rate or rate of a reaction. Think of it as rise over run. Now our rate equation is used to determine the amount of change over a period of time. dy, amount of change, dt is your time. Number eight, population growth. Now this is part of our mathematical models that can be used to investigate population growth patterns, and so you can use this one to determine how many individuals will be gained and lost in a population over time. So this one looks like dn over dt equals b minus d. dn is the amount of change in our population size, dt is our time, b is our birth rate, and d is death. Number seven, our exponential model or our exponential growth equation. If we looked at exponential growth on a graph, it would just look like a J curve going up and up and up. Now this equation, dn over dt equals r max n, dn is the amount of change in the population size, dt is time, r max is the maximum per capita growth rate of the population, and n is our population size. Now our next equation, number six, our logistic equation accounts for the effect of a carrying capacity on population growth. If you were to look at logistic growth on a graph, you would look at it and it kind of looks like an S because at the point where it hits that carrying capacity, it will level off over time. So our logistic growth, again, used to determine the growth in a population while accounting for the effect of a carrying capacity. So that is dn over dt equals r max n, and then we have k minus n over k. So again, Pull out your formula sheet, it'll make a lot more sense that way. dn is going to be the amount of change in the population size, dt is time, r max is the maximum per capita growth rate of the population, and n is our population size, k is our carrying capacity. Number five, the surface area to volume ratio. Think about this in the limits to cell size and the ideas of how a cell is more efficient with the greater surface area to volume ratio. So you should look at first the volume of a sphere and be able to calculate both surface area and volume. Now for number four, same thing, but volume of a cube. So make sure you are able to manipulate those equations in case something like a surface area to volume ratio for cell size comes up. Number three, our water potential equations. I am lumping them into one. Remember our water potential is represented by our symbol psi, the Greek letter psi, kind of looks like a 
Triton, and water potential is going to equal pressure potential plus solute potential. In an open container, most of our problems are going to have a pressure potential as zero, so the water potential will probably be equal to the solute potential. So to get a solute potential is negative ICRT, where I is our ionization constant, and for sucrose, that's going to be one. C, you'll have to find, is your molar concentration or you may be given it. R is your pressure constant, and you are given that on the, your formula sheet, and T is your temperature in Kelvin. Remember, that's just 273 plus your degrees in Celsius, and that is also listed for you on your formula sheet, so you don't have to memorize 273 plus degrees Celsius equals your Kelvin temperature. Be sure to do a few practice problems with these water potential equations before the AP Bio exam. Number two, laws of probability. So this might come into play in genetics. For example, what's the probability of a couple having two females in a row? Well, we know that the first time they give birth, they have a 50-50 chance or one over two chance of having a female. The next time they have birth, they have also a one half chance of getting a female, excuse me, one over two or 50% chance of giving birth to a female. So we multiply both those instances by each other because there's two independent events. And so it would look like one half times one half is gonna be equal to one fourth. Number one, chi-square. So with your chi-square, remember to reject your null hypothesis if your experimental chi-square is greater than that you see in your chi-square table. And remember, your null hypothesis means no experimental difference or that your treatment has no effect or no significant difference from the control. Now in genetics, a null hypothesis would be something like the data are consistent with the method of inheritance that are is predicted. So what we're going to get in our Punnett square is what we're going to see in the experimental conditions. That is your null hypothesis for genetics. You'll typically have to do your own Punnett square to figure out what would be expected, and you'll be given the observed value. Be sure you're able to figure out degrees of freedom. Remember, that's the number of classes minus one. So if you have five classes, your degrees of freedom are four. If you have two classes, you have one degree of freedom, and be able to recognize which p-value you're looking for on the chi-square table chart. Quickly, let's talk about the top 10 types of questions to be prepared for. Now, of course, more than what's on this list will appear on the exam, but these are the ones you should really look out for. Number 10, multiple choice, information based off models, or a diagram, or graphs, or figures. Number 9, experiment or data interpretation. Number eight, multiple choice questions based off evaluating scientific questions or experiments or types of data or ethical concerns or results supporting conclusions. So really the multiple choice can take any of our science practices and put them into a question. Number seven, you could have a gridding question with almost little or no math. So watch out for those as well. It could happen. Number six, uh, your gridding questions with any of the formulas we listed in our top 10 list above. Number five, an FRQ with math. Just because the grid-ins are done doesn't mean the math is over, so you get to keep your calculator and your formula sheet with you for the second part of the exam. This could involve chi-square, population growth, anything, you name it. So again, be prepared for math in the FRQs, it could pop up. Number four, graphing on the FRQs. You will most definitely be asked to do a graph on the FRQs. So when you are graphing, make sure that you title always, always, always your graph as well as the axes, that you scale it, that the scaling is appropriate, that you correctly plot the graph and you put it on the correct type of graph. Remember, line graph or change over time. 
bar graph for comparing different categories. And if it's available to you, make sure you correctly plot error bars. Use your SEM and put your error bars in the positive and negative direction. Be sure to, to clearly and correctly label all your graphs and diagrams accordingly. Make sure you read the question carefully and include, like I said before, a graph title, X and Y axis labels, and of course, if you need to, a best fit line if it's appropriate. Now, number three, long FRQs will have an experiment. So make sure you figure out what you need to actually answer in the question, but you could be asked to identify the question that the researchers are investigating or evaluate the question or draw conclusions, pose more questions from the data, you name it. There's a lot of different ways these experimental questions can go. Number two, your short FRQs, be prepared for very specific things you will be asked to do. Look for the bolded words like describe, identify, compare, label, construct. Here's some advice so many teachers love to give. BS. That is, be specific and answer the prompt. Make sure you are giving them what they ask for. It's not a formal essay. Don't make it long and fancy. Just answer the question. No for Lowry language, just answer the question. And number one, for multiple choice, for FRQs, you will encounter experiments and information that is brand new. That is a guarantee, but do not freak out. This is the AP Biology exam, and you are meant. it is meant to test your skills as growing scientists, and you will be prepared for it. All right, here's our last top 10 for now. We'll dabble a little bit more into content review. So top 10 organelles. Maybe you've blocked out organelles since the mitochondria won your organelle wars back in September, or maybe you've always had a grudge against peroxisomes, but here's the essential top 10 you should know. Number 10, nucleus. Remember, this has our nuclear membrane, our nucleolus, chromatin, nuclear pores. Those things are all important. Number nine, endoplasmic reticulum, smooth and rough. And what's the difference? Number eight, Golgi apparatus. Number seven, vacuoles. Make sure you are able to compare those in the plants and in animals. Number six, extracellular matrix. Number five, cytoskeleton. Number four, cilia and flagella. Number three, ribosomes. Number two, chloroplasts. And number one, mitochondria. And please focus on those last two, chloroplasts and mitochondria. They will probably come up a lot. And remember the theme that structure dictates function. For example, how the inner membrane of the mitochondria allows for the proton gradient necessary in ATP synthesis. And make sure you know basics between the differences of the prokaryotic and the eukaryotic cells, which organelles are present, the size of the cells, how the DNA is organized, the structure and the functions of the eukaryotic organelles. So make sure you understand and make sure you identify which organelles are in plants versus animal cells, and of course, be able to identify certain organelles by image. Now, like I said, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but hopefully these top 10s will be helpful for you as you are finishing up your studying for the AP Biology exam. AP Biology is a trademark registered by the College Board, which is not affiliated with and does not endorse this podcast. Thanks. Thanks.